Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be speaking about a tough loss to Wake Forest and to a former Syracuse tight end. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest today's former Syracuse tight end, J.J. Neshawat. J.J., thanks for coming on the program. How are you today? Anytime. I'm good. I'm good. Everything is good. Thank God. That's awesome. And JJ, we'll get you started on this one. You played offensive line and tight end at Syracuse from 2005 to 2007. Catch us up on what you've been up to since your Syracuse playing days. So, uh, yeah, after Syracuse, uh, you know, I graduated uh, with a degree in biology. I actually went to um, medical school. Actually, um, I tried out for um, the Detroit Lions and the, and the New York Giants. For um, I did that for about a half a year. I, I went to their mini camps. And then uh, after that, I decided that, uh, you know, maybe it's time to move on to another career. So uh, I ended up enrolling into uh, into a medical school in Antigua, um, Antigua and Barbuda. Some, um, most, most people pronounce it uh, Antigua. So I ended up going there, graduating from medical school, and ended up getting a residency in uh, radiology and then doing a, uh, a fellowship in um, musculoskeletal radiology, so um, I did my actually fellowship in Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns and, uh, where, you know, um, looked at their injuries, sports injuries, so I got a lot of experience with that. Um, you know, having a, a football background, it was, it was pretty exciting. And then um, ended up back in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, in my hometown, and, and uh, now I'm working here, married uh, with, a, with a beautiful child and, and uh, working on another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, and good luck with it. And you mentioned that you were pre-med and playing football at the same time. What was it like having basically two full-time jobs at the same time? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was tough. Um, you gotta, you gotta learn just how to how to manage just time management and trying to be efficient at studying, and and then you know also ha- trying to have a life. You know, I loved football, and I, I wanted to pursue that. It's always been a dream of mine to play in the NFL, but uh, I also. You know, raised in a, in a Middle Eastern family, you know, education was always stressed. And uh, so, you know, growing up, 
my parents always stressed, you know, studying. So that always, I always had a good background in that. So it was just, it was just time management skills. And, you know, it was definitely tough, you know, taking on, you know, there was one, there was one semester where uh, I didn't know, you know, they were working on getting me my sixth year of eligibility. I was trying to finish up uh, my degree in biology and it was, I was taking 22 uh, credits doing spring ball without even knowing I was going to play. And uh, that, that was probably my hardest where, you know, am I doing the right thing and trying to pursue this sixth year and, and uh, you know, taking 22 credits, but uh, you know, it's just kind of just sacrificing, you know, kind of the, the, the social activities in college, you know, the parties and, you know, it, it was definitely hard, but, you know, I also had a great time at Syracuse. So I, I think I did a good job of just balancing out, um, you know, the, uh, the studies with, with the sports, but I don't think it should discourage anyone else. You know, it's not, it's not impossible. And, there's certainly uh, a lot of players that 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 work just as hard as me in the, in the studying aspect and and playing as well. So let's talk about the playing part. You started 15 games at tight end during your Syracuse career. You finished with 17 receptions for 270 yards and two touchdowns in your final year. What was your favorite memory during this time? Um, so on the field, my favorite memory was definitely catching my first touchdown um, against my uh, University of Miami of Ohio. Um, that was definitely my favorite on the field. You know, we were winning that game and, and catching that and celebrating with the guys. It definitely, you know, it's a vivid memory of mine. Off the field, you know, just being part of uh, collegiate athletics and just being around the guys, just kind of being in the locker room. Those were some of my favorite memories, just being in the locker room and traveling with the guys and hanging out with the guys and, and, and game preparation and practices and joking around. That, that's Those are definitely my favorite memories. That, those are the things that I miss the most. And I, I think that if you ask anyone else, you know, from college to probably retired players, I think that's what they miss the most. And that's definitely what I miss the most. One moment that must also stand out to you is that you started your career as a Syracuse walk-on, then you earned a scholarship. That must have been an incredibly memorable experience for you as well. It, it definitely was. Uh, it, I took kind of a unique path uh, my senior year. Actually, my junior year, I started out as an offensive lineman. And then uh, by the end of the year, you know, one of our tight ends got hurt and they moved me to tight end with like three games left. And I, you know, I ended up switching to tight end and having, you know, a bunch of touchdowns and yards at the end of my junior year. And then my, into my senior year, I broke my leg, my third game in to my senior year. And I, I uh, you know, that's when recruiting started to heat up and uh, that kind of, you know, I had to put that on the back burner when I, when I, when I got hurt. So I ended up going to community college. My first year in community college, I broke my foot, ended up getting redshirted. And then uh, the next year I played, I started to do well. And I just jumped on my first uh, scholarship offer to Western Carolina. And then when I got down there, I played and I, I realized it wasn't really the best fit for me. So I decided to go to Syracuse. You know, Coach Goldman started to recruit me when I was at uh, Hudson Valley Community College. But you know, most most junior college players they they play two seasons and until their eligibility is uh, satisfied by the NCAA. But I, I ended up doing only one season, jumping on my first scholarship, and didn't really give any other schools a chance. So I decided that Western Carolina wasn't the best fit for me. Ended up, uh, you know, trying to figure out what schools to go to, and then I, I knew Coach Greg Robinson started. Uh, he you know, he got hired that year and. He brought in Coach Periani, who's a tight end coach for the Broncos, and that kind of opened up my eyes as a tight end. And he coached Shannon Sharp. You know, he had a bunch of all-pro years and receiving yards and all this. I figured he was the offensive coordinator. This must be a great spot for uh, for a tight end. So 
I applied to Syracuse, got accepted, told them I wanted to walk on, and uh, just kind of worked my butt off until I, you know, to, you know, try to prove myself to get a scholarship. And, you know, Greg Robinson one day after spring ball um, brought me in his office and, and uh, told me the great news. And it was just, you know, I just was jumping in the air. You know, I told my family it was just a great, it was just a great moment. Yeah, that sounds like one. And JJ, we'll get you out of here on this one. What do you think of the current state of the Syracuse football program? Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of just been plateaued, I think, for the past, uh, I don't know, the past few years under Babers. I think just since, uh, since the late nineties, it's kind of, it's, it's hard to recruit, I think, in, uh, Syracuse just because of the weather and, and, uh, being in New York, it's not a real, uh, you know, New York players aren't heavily recruited as much as, you know, the, the players down south and even New Jersey and, and um, on the West Coast. So the the current direction, it, it, you know, if we're not winning, it's 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 kind of hard to get those recruits where the weather is not great. So um, the direction, it's 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 kind of tough to tell because uh, because of that, you know, Coach Babers isn't winning, and if you don't have that that uh, you know that pitch to the players, you know, if we're not winning and you know not putting a a high number of draft picks. Um, it's kind of hard to sell uh, uh, recruit, you know, uh, student athletes from high school, and and without that weather, it's it's also hard to compete against other schools. You know, like you know those three star athletes where they're deciding between NC State and UNC and Syracuse and and you know a couple of other schools down south. Uh, I, I think that's where we're we're having a tough part with, and and uh, right now Coach Favors is kind of under the hot seat with a. Kind of his uh, his his game management skills, so it's going to be a tough time, I think, for the end of the rest of this year, and I, I think next year as well. So it's just it's hard to get those recruits, and I think it's going to be a rough patch for a little bit until uh, we figure out the the coaching situation. Because uh, when there's uncertainty at, at that that coaching position, um, there's going to be uncertainty with the uh, with the student athletes. JJ, thanks so much for coming on the program again. Former Syracuse tight end JJ Neshwat. JJ, appreciate the time. Congratulations on all your post Syracuse success. Enjoy the rest of the college football season. We'll speak with you soon. I appreciate it, and thanks for having me, Wes. It's uh, it's always great hearing your voice. Really awesome stuff from JJ, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor in chief and my very good friend Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad Syracuse blowing a golden opportunity on Saturday, losing 40-37 to in overtime to Wake Forest. In the end, they just had too many bad penalties, poor clock management, and poor execution, wouldn't you say? Did I hear you correctly? I think we talked about the same elements, <laughs> West earlier in the season, and they're coming back to bite the orange again uh, in the backside. And as you mentioned, this was a game that was there for the taking. And I really felt that way for the Rutgers game and the Florida state game. And, you know, there was part of the game where, you know, Liberty lost its opportunity to win in the dome too. So the thing, these things kind of shake out both ways, but it doesn't escape from the disappointment of Syracuse dropping its third game uh, against a ranked team in the dome, where, as I mentioned last week, they have to win home games because of the struggles to win on the road. And we can certainly circle the, uh, the the plays that stood out there, the clock management issue in the second quarter, accepting a Wake Forest penalty. I thought that was so ironic after a holding call was not 
uh, noticed by the officials and called the week before against Florida State. So much irony in Dino Babers accepting that penalty. And then on the subsequent play, only rushing three players, giving Wake Forest talented quarterback Sam Hartman time to get a 25-yard pickup and maintain that drive and eventually score a touchdown. That really stood out. Then when Sean Tucker got uh, you know, injured and shaken up in the fourth quarter and Cooper Lutz came in, well, before Lutz fumbled and you know set up Syracuse in a, a bad situation when they, the defense held and they still had a chance for the final drive, they had a great play call on a, a end sweep with Lutz carrying the ball that came up just short on a third down play, creating a fourth down situation. I thought that was another standout play that Syracuse should have gone for it on fourth and two to keep that drive going because they needed all the points they could get uh, against a team like Wake Forest. And then the one that really stands out, the clock management issue on the two-point conversion that could have conceivably won the game in the final 21 seconds. And when I saw that, it was at the exact same end of the field, the same hash mark, as the famous two-point play in 1987 when Syracuse beat West Virginia to maintain an unbeaten regular season. And I was thinking to myself, Wes, wow, what a difference between Coach Mack and Coach Babers in that Coach Mack had no decision to make. He was going for that two-point conversion. Of course, a different circumstance with an undefeated season on the line. But the fact was they had everybody in place where they had to be in the proper amount of time, boom, they executed the play, and it was, you know, one of the most famous plays in Syracuse history with Michael Owen scoring to beat West Virginia. And then I thought about this game against Wake Forest. Everything seemed to be in slow motion and getting all the players in sync and getting the proper play calls from the sidelines to the field. Wow, it was just a night and day difference, and that really stood out to me. So as you said, those key uh, – plays or things that went against Syracuse and preventing them from pulling off the win against number 19 Wake Forest. Brad, the schedule doesn't get any easier. The Orange welcomed Clemson to the Carrier Dome on Friday. Yes, they are a two-loss team, but they still got plenty of talent. What do you think of the upcoming game? It's sort of hard to figure out, Wes, in only that Clemson comes off the open week. And some teams come back from that open week and just play lights out. Other teams have trouble getting going and shaking off the rust and sometimes it can even take you know one or two quarters and in some game situations the uh, the team that has been playing builds up a lead to make it hard for that other team to come back so it's sort of hard to figure out but knowing Dabo Sweeney what a great coach he is knowing the talent that Clemson has they're going to be ready to come into the dome I think they always are even with the 2017 upset Of course, they came into the Dome in 2019 and hammered Syracuse. I think they're going to be more than ready to play. And if you look at their last game against Boston College, well, Clemson still has trouble getting the offense going. They only scored one touchdown against BC and got four field goals, but their defense is really starting to play a lot better. They had four tackles for losses in that game, four sacks, and they forced three Boston College turnovers. So it's going to be really important for the Syracuse offense to keep progressing as they as it has as the season has gone long, uh, along. That was certainly a bright sign in the loss to Wake Forest, how the offense under Garrett Schrader's leadership is really starting to motor, and of course, especially the rushing attack. Anytime in college football you're getting over 500 yards of total offense, 
as SU did against Wake Forest, you're, you're doing something on the field. So let's see if the Syracuse offense can keep it going against the Clemson defense that has been playing better. And let's see if the Syracuse defense, which has had a very solid season, can contain that Clemson offense, which, again, just scored one touchdown in its final game. And, Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. As we record this week's podcast, Wes, it's ACC's media tip-off basketball event in Charlotte. And very interesting, they won't announce the uh, preseason picks until the following week, next week on Tuesday the 19th. But when I was looking at the uh, preseason poll history since Syracuse has been in the ACC, first season, preseason pick number two, then 15, number eight, 2016 tied for ninth, 2017 ninth, 2018 tied for 10th, 2019 7th, 2020 tied for 6th, and last season picked 6th in the preseason. So where do I think Syracuse will end up in 2022? Probably right around number 6 again among the media in that poll. So very interesting to see where Syracuse probably right there at number 6, just on the second fringe of the ACC, but I think in the end, Wes, Syracuse is going to finish higher in the standings when the 2022 ACC regular season comes to an end. Brad, my closing thoughts are on 2022 four-star wing Malik Brown. Syracuse is among five finalists for his services, and he will announce his decision between the Orange, Virginia Tech, Georgetown, Penn State, and NC State on Saturday. Brown is a former high school teammate of 2022 commit Justin Taylor, and Syracuse seems to be in good position for Brown here after he recently took an official visit. Syracuse lost out on five-star guard J.J. Starling to Notre Dame on Tuesday, so this will certainly help ease the pain if Brown commits. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SMY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.